1: Thank you that you're not done with us. Thank you that you're still working in our lives, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know it's Sunday morning. I know many have had long weeks and people are tired. But I wonder if just with all of our heart and all of our might, if you lift both hands to the Lord and open up your mouth, and why don't you just tell the Lord you love him this morning. Come on, maybe he hasn't heard from you all morning. Lift up that voice unto God, Lord, I love you. Lord, I glorify you. I need to hear from you. I can't make it a day without you, Jesus. Come on, how many are desperate for the Lord? Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can return to your seats this morning. I'm so honored to be here. Um, If you don't know me, there's a lot of new people, uh, but I, I have the honor of pastor and sister Jordan's son, one of three. And for the rest of you, I love you. It's been a long time since I've seen you. And uh, we try to make it back as much as I can. And these young people, every time I look over there, it's a reminder of how long it's been since I've been back. Sometimes it's just a few months and they're growing inches. And sometimes it's a little longer than that. And they're growing facial hair and all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I'm so proud of our young. What a beautiful spirit of the Lord that's here this morning. Um, I just want to remind you that, that uh, this is a blessed church and um, blessed with great leadership, blessed with great worship, blessed with great people. And that's something we ought to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. And we love because he first loved us. So we love our church. We love the leadership God puts um, over us. We love the fellow saints of God. But but I want to remind us this morning that we love because he first loved us. And so let's remember that central love for the Lord that this this whole thing is rooted in because I can love to attend church. I can love to be with the people um, that I call friends, that I call fellow believers, but none of that matters if my heart is not after God's heart. And so we, we we have to continue that love for the Lord. Stand with me for a moment this morning. I'm gonna I'm not gonna keep you forever this morning. I know it's Thanksgiving and your stomachs are gurgling, and it's coming up in a couple days, and families coming in town and people are traveling. Go with me to Colossians, the third chapter. which is renewed to knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, Meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity. Someone say love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God that one more time because someone needs to receive that. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Amen. I know it would be easy to preach on Thanksgiving this morning. That's not what I'm preaching on. I'm going to preach on an abundant heart. One more time. Can we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Amen. You may be seated this morning. For thousands of years, each morning and each evening, the the Jewish people have made a tradition of of reciting what what they know as the Shema. We probably know it better this morning as Deuteronomy 6.4. Many of you can quote that next verses comes with an admonition to then take that knowledge and to um, to place it in various places, write it in various places, teach it to your children, um, and, and the idea there is that it's supposed to be a present reality before us that the Lord, that he is one, and Know The words, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And if you've seen pictures of um, uh, people that are practicing Jewish tradition, uh, you'll see sometimes what looks like a funny hat that they'll put on their forehead, and they'll bind it about their head, and and you'll see a tefilum that they it's it's a leather it's a leather strap that they'll bound about their forearm all the way up toward their hand, and what they're doing is they're practicing the tradition of of binding this this shema this um, this call. Uh, in Deuteronomy six, they're they're binding it in in a literal way about about their arm, about their hand, about their forehead, and in this they've kept that tradition and that knowledge in front of them. Um, I, I'm glad today that uh, I'm looking around the room. I don't see anybody that that remembered to bring your tefilum or or I don't know what they call the the. Thing on the forehead, but it kind of looks like a little top, a little top hat of sorts. I don't I don't see anybody today that has that. Um, nonetheless, uh, we're not bound to tradition this morning, but we are called by God um, to uh, keep this reality in front of this uh, in front of us to teach this diligently unto our children um, to let it be. Uh, bound about us, and and we do a good job of that, I would think. Um, we're we're oneness believers, and um, if you don't know what that means this morning, it means we're monotheistic. We believe in one God, and and uh, we even take that a step uh, further in accordance to Scripture, believing that that God uh, does not divide Himself, and somehow a council, a group makes up God. Uh, We just believe he's one. Uh, We believe that God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so there's no spirit of God that is separate from God. Uh, That spirit is God. And uh, we're reminded of the words in Isaiah that was prophesying of Jesus, uh, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So we don't separate the idea of him being father uh, from the idea of him being God, and we know that God is spirit, and, and so we're not we're not looking at a group of three and trying to reconcile how in the world they can be three and one and one and three. Um, we see it much more simple than that, and and we 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 don't um, look to a council or a tradition. We look to the Scripture, where it's clear that God is all powerful. God is omnipresent. And in that omnipresence, he can be God who is our father, while he can be God who is the spirit that has filled my heart. And, 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 and he could be God that was crucified on the cross while simultaneously attending unto the works of heaven. And, and so uh, we're, we're diligent about reminding ourselves that he is one. Um, we get that part down pretty well. Um, but we, we can't forget the second half of that scripture, which is um, a follow-up commandment to the reality that he's one, and that's the commandment that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And, and so that that oneness of God uh, comes with a commandment, and it comes. It's a commandment to love God with a singleness of heart. Um, in the way that he is one, our love has to be one. This is why we're commanded to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Um, we, no man can serve two masters. The Bible speaks of serving God and mammon, God and money. And, and, and we're, we're reminded several times in Scripture uh, that he's a jealous God. Uh, This isn't a toxic form of jealousy, as maybe we know jealousy. Um, This is the fact that God loves you so much. Um, Think about maybe some of you that are married, how much you love your spouse. And if you saw your spouse's attention going toward another in in, in a way, in a manner that was that same kind of love, you would grow a jealousy, and that jealousy is not an unrighteous jealousy. That, that jealousy is a righteous jealousy because that's your beloved. They are yours. Uh, they are yours to love and you are theirs to be loved. And, and, and so God is a jealous God. He wants our love to be single. He wants our love to be for him. And, and we've got to be careful that we don't begin to fall in love with other things. Uh, we're we're admonished to return to our first love. Um, our first love is the one that loved us first, um, and and so we're we're reminded to love God. And this original reference to the to the word heart, um, it, it's not it's not just a reference to the organ. Um, We've got a pretty good understanding today of what it means to love something with your heart. Um, but, but I just want to remind us uh, what we're reading about. Uh, the, the Hebrew language is made up of individual letters that convey meaning. And those letters make up the definition of the word. And so um, while we might have uh, a word that is red and a word that is dog... And so we put those together. We're really complex people. Red dog. Um, the Hebrew might have a way of describing red through the letters. And so even if you don't have an understanding of what red means, if you understand the letters, the letters convey the idea of red. And, and the same would be true of perhaps the word dog, that you might, you might not even know what a dog is. But if you were to understand the Hebrew and read the letters, the letters would define the word "dog," and that is the word "dog." And I, I say that today because when we look at the word "heart" in the Hebrew, it, it's it's a two letter word, and it literally just means authority. It's a, it's a it's a letter that conveys authority, and and the the other letter conveys within. And and so very simply, the heart is the authority within. It, it's the seat. Many people have described it as the seat of emotion, the seat of authority. And so when we love God with our whole heart, when we practice this admonition in Deuteronomy, we're making a commitment to love God with our whole being. In fact, we're saying this. We're saying, Lord, sit on the throne of my life. Sit on the throne of my heart. Because when you sit on the throne of my heart, this whole body is your kingdom. Um, this, this whole body is yours for your purpose, for your use. Whatever you ask of me, God, because you sit on the throne of my heart, this is your dominion. Uh, we've got to be careful what we allow to sit on the throne of our heart. And when we look at, I hope this is okay, I'm a teacher, and, and so if you were coming this morning to be yelled at and screamed at, I'm probably not the guy. Um, I hope this is okay. But, but when, we, when we look at the heart um, and we look at the, the Christian life, um, there are things that we commit to God. There are things that we give to the Lord. Places that we don't go, there's places that we do go. We go to the house of the Lord. Uh, we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, we, uh, this house is a house of prayer. We go to prayer. And so there's things, there's places we do go, there's places we don't go. And we're not using our um, Christian liberty for an occasion to sin. Uh, We use that Christian liberty, that liberty that is in Christ to glorify God. And so likewise, um, maybe as Christians, in accordance to Scripture, as we present our bodies, We present our bodies a living sacrifice. And in doing so, um, I want to make sure that everything that I do, everywhere that I go, everything that I say is honoring and pleasing unto God. And, And that we can reject that idea. Well, hold on a minute. What does my body have to do with serving God? If the Lord sits on the throne of my heart, then this whole body is his kingdom. This whole body is his dominion. And so what he asks of my mouth, that's not mine to question when God sits on the throne of my heart. What what he asks of the presentation of my body, that's not mine to argue with the Lord when the Lord sits on the throne of my heart. The the authority within. Uh, Proverbs talks about keeping, keeping thy heart with diligence. And, and why do we keep it with diligence? For out of it are the issues of life. Um, if you've lived long enough, you know that to be true. Um, out of the heart are the issues of life. Uh, the frustrations you feel. Uh, the emotions that you feel. Uh, the anger or the bitterness that might try to raise its head. Um, frustration toward another person. The Hebrews understood that as as not being a reality of the mind, although it is in a biological sense. They understood that as being a reality of the heart. The fighting pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. And so the heart, it's the metal in which the Lord forms with, in which he Creates vessels in which he goes about um, as uh, as a craftsman, as a worker of metal, as as the finding pot. Uh, as 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 the finding pot is for silver, as the furnace for gold. Um, the Lord tryeth the hearts. It, it's the furnace in which the heart is made pure, in which the heart is um, made to be. Uh, what the workman intended the heart to be and and while we examine our heart today maybe we we say well i I think my heart's in a pretty good shape I hope you do think that uh, but we can't forget that that um, every way of man is right in his own eyes but the lord pondering And so the heart is an internal reality. Um, In fact, even in a biological way, uh, as we sit here, I'm looking around the room. I don't see anybody whispering to your heart for it to beat. It beats. Um, I, I don't see anyone calculating the speed in which maybe their heart should beat. It beats at the speed it's going to beat. It's an internal thing. You don't have control over it. You have some knowledge of what's happening, but you certainly don't have full knowledge of what's occurring. And that's the same way that a heart is before God. Um, you can try by your effort, by your ability to tell your heart what to love, um, but in the same way you're not telling your heart to beat, the condition of your heart is going to, to, is going to determine what you love. In the same way that you're not present right now to the speed at which your heart beats, um, you're, you're not present to the way or to the depth in which your heart loves. Um, this is something that only the Lord is capable of doing on the inside of us. In fact, it's the reason that we, when we gather in the house of God, we open up the word of God. Because the word of God is quick, it's sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing asunder to the, def- to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, a discerner of the thought, in the intent of our heart. And so this is a sword. This is a, a tool. If you can, if you can picture the scalpel and the knife of a doctor, that's that's what the word of God is. And when we open up the word of God, it has a way of piercing asunder to the dividing, and it discerns, it's able to see into the heart and, and discern the thought and the intent of our heart. The Lord wants your heart, and and he doesn't want us to have a heart that is reserved unto him. Uh, let me let me clarify what I mean by that. Reserved unto him in the sense of yes, we keep our heart unto God, but he doesn't want us to have a heart that we withhold anything from him. Uh, that we we keep our heart and keep our love to be shared with other things, but he wants us to love him with our whole with our whole heart. And um, in, in, in doing so, all of the other realities of the Christian life are a byproduct of this reality. Um, this is why that uh, when, when you uh, begin to develop a relationship with the Lord, it's not wise for people to to say to someone developing with a, developing a relationship with the Lord, well, you need, to, you need to do this, you need to get this together, you need to figure this out, and, and okay, you've had long enough, go ahead and figure that out now. Um, that, that's not the way this thing works. Um, the way this works is the Lord is doing a work on the heart. Did you know whatever the condition of the heart is, it, it begins to manifest on the outside? In fact, doctors know to look for this. Because there are cues that something is occurring within the heart um, that, is, that is unhealthy. They can, they can look at the complexion of the skin. They can look at the response, how, how quickly the blood fills back into the skin when you press on it. They can look at the coloration of the eyes. The, they, they, they have various cues for the condition of the heart. And in this same way, the, the Christian life that we live out before one another all that is those are cues of the condition of the heart so if you're struggling today with why we do certain things if you struggling if you're struggling today with certain physical realities of serving God know that we we, we don't we don't uh, we don't center on those things and begin to build a theology around the exterior. We, we center on the reality that the exterior is affected by the internal condition of our heart. How, how many could just say today, I want to give my whole heart to the Lord? I, I, I In fact, this, this whole body is God's, to, to do with what He wants to do, to change in the way that He wants to change, to purify in the way that He wants, to purify, it, it was under the law that the heart, and, and Ezekiel describes this, it describes the heart of God's people becoming that of a stone. And if you picture a stone, you picture that it is hard, that it is, it is cold, it is dead, it is unmoved, it is insensitive, it is incapable of movement. And, and this can become a reality of our heart before the Lord. When the word of God no longer moves us. Um, when the presence of God no longer affects us. When instead of being warm for the things of God, it becomes cold to the things of God. And, and this is a harsh world. And so we've got to make sure that we're allowing the word of God to regularly attend unto our heart. In fact... The Bible says that in the last days that that men's hearts would fail them for fear. I don't want my heart for the Lord to fail me for fear that I fear man and fear what man can do to me, that I fear culture, that I fear society. I, I don't want my heart for the Lord to fail me but I want to allow the word of the Lord and the voice of the Lord to perpetually speak into my heart. Amen. And so this reality of the heart under the law is a dead heart, a cold heart, a stony heart, a heart that is attempting to live out these uh, demands, although uh, perhaps the condition of the heart was not right. And, and, And the Lord talked about this. He talked about... Those that uh, they would draw nigh unto him with their lips, but but their hearts were far from him. I I don't want to be guilty of that. And um, we can be guilty of that, that we lift up a voice of worship unto the Lord. Maybe we even call on the Lord. Maybe we even speak about the Lord in a fond way. But we can draw nigh to him with our lips while our heart is still far from him. The heart is only going to be purified by regular exposure to the, to the knife that is piercing asunder to the dividing. So we've got to stay exposed to his word. We've got to stay exposed to preaching. We've got to stay exposed to prayer where the Lord can minister his spirit and attend unto our hearts This is the reason that we encourage people not to go extended periods without prayer or extended periods of time without faithfulness to the house of God. Because we know our own hearts and we know that without regular maintenance that occurs through the word and through proximity to his spirit and through prayer, The heart begins to slow in function. The blood begins to flow a little more difficultly and things begin to freeze up in the heart. We can't allow that to happen in our walk with God. In fact, the ministering of the blood, we're people that we talk a lot about the blood. That's all a byproduct of the heart. The heart has a way of of, of, of causing the blood to flow into the various parts of the body and minister unto the various needs of the body. But if the heart is not right with the Lord... Then, then, then my mind might not get the blood that it's supposed to get. and My hands might not get the circulation that it's, they're supposed to get. And my feet might be affected in a negative way. And this is why when we stop serving God, we start talking differently, and we start thinking differently, and we start treating people differently, and we start walking and going to different places that we wouldn't have gone to before because the circulation is affected. So we've got to make sure that our hearts are pure before the Lord. First Samuel, the 25th chapter, we're introduced to a man named Nabal. Uh, Nabal was uh, an exceedingly rich man. Do we have any exceedingly rich people here this morning? I'd like to talk to you after church. I'm just checking to see if you're awake. He was an, uh, he was an exceedingly rich man. Um, in fact, in that day, this would have been. This is the way they would have described his wealth. He had three thousand sheep. He had one thousand goats. Um, that was a, uh, today. That might be like saying he had a million dollars. That was a big deal. And the time of shearing the sheep had come. And uh, Nabal, he was dwelling in Carmel, uh, not not Indiana. We're we're in, we're in the scripture dwelling there, and uh, David, who, who was not yet king, he was fleeing Saul and Saul's armies in the wilderness of Paran, and it was tradition, it was a custom that when, when you sheared the sheep, when this time had come, that it was a time of celebration, it was a time of feasting, it was a time specifically of generosity. And so the owner of the sheep would bless others generously with the gains that he would receive from shearing the sheep, uh, the monetary gains and the, the, the literal gains of meat and gains of, of, of wool. And um, they would often do this for people that had uh, been a part of protecting their sheep. And so as David and his men Dwelled nearby in the wilderness of Paran um, for several months. They had um, often come across bandits and various um, various criminals that would have come in and preyed on the sheep and stolen sheep or slaughtered sheep for their own gain. And, and and so David and his men, while they dwell in this wilderness, as they would come across these bandits and come across these criminals, they would drive them out of the land, and they would drive them away from Nabal's sheep. And so when this time of shearing the sheep had come, David and his men, um, while not asked to, they had done what was appropriate through these several months. They had attended to the sheep and and protecting the sheep. And so when this time comes, David, the Bible says, sent uh, his his young men and, and he told them this. He said, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, greet him in my name and say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house, peace to all that you have. Now, I have heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, they'll tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give us whatever comes to your hand, to your servants, and to your son David. And so these these ten young men, they go to Nabal, and they politely make this request. And these weren't even demands. They didn't give Nabal a specific expectation. They told Nabal, "Whatever comes to your heart, um, that you can give us." And 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 so they go to him. Peace be to you, Nabal. And, and they don't try to intimidate Nabal. They don't try to cause him to fear. They don't try to say, "Oh, oh, yeah, Nabal, we could have taken your men out and we didn't." Uh, they 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 actually came unto him graciously. Nabal, it's a it's a feast day. And we've been a part of protecting your men and protecting your sheep. And so whatever comes to your hand, uh, we're not demanding any, anything specific of you. But whatever comes to your hand, whatever, whatever your move to do, would you give that to us? And Nabal, who was very aware of, of what David and his men had done uh, for his flock, uh, Nabal answers in a way that is so full of pride. Extremely rude, and he says this. He answers the servants and he says, "Who is David and the son of Jesse?" Now, there's comedy there because he knew who David was. David and the son of Jesse. Um, there are many servants nowadays who break away one from his master. And here he's mocking uh, David fleeing Saul. Uh, Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat, and I've killed for my shears, and give it to men? who I do not know where they are from. He was sarcastic. He knew who David was. He knew he was a son of Jesse. He knew he was fleeing Saul's persecution. But in this sarcasm, he takes advantage of of David. He rejects this tradition, and he withholds his generosity. And so David gets kind of angry about this. Up to this point, David had been fairly generous, uh, but David... David was a man. I'm I'm glad we're trying to be like Jesus. We're not trying to be like David. Um, David said this to his men. Every man gird his his sword. So every man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. And so they're going to go out. They're going to have words with Nabal. How could you do this? And and they were going to come and threaten Nabal. And, And this woman that had such a beautiful heart before the Lord. David's wife, Abigail, she she uh, shows up in this very intense interaction, and and the Bible tells us that she intercedes. She she comes in between Nabal and David, and she has prepared presents for David. She she brings him two hundred loaves of bread and two skins of wine and five sheep that were already prepared and five seas of roasted grain and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on the donkey and she arrives and the Bible says that she dismounted from the donkey quickly and she falls on her face before David and she bows down to the ground and she makes this appeal to David. Uh, She didn't come as superior. She was beautiful she was rich she was wealthy but she didn't come to david as as a superior as often the privileged do but she she bows down as a humble servant and and she goes between them and she begins to intercede and tell david david you don't want to do this david this isn't this isn't worth it this isn't this isn't worth you ruining your legacy this isn't worth you ruining your reputation and so the Bible says that as she arrives, that Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing. Um, and, and 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 she waited until the morning. And when the morning had come, and when the wine had gone from Nabal, then then Nabal's wife she 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 told him these things. Abigail said to her husband Nabal, She said, She said, Nabal, they, they showed up last night, and they showed up with 400 men. And they, they, they showed up uh, with, with swords, and they were ready to fight back and to, to make the record clear, and they were ready to seek vengeance. And, 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 and the Bible tells this, that Nabal's heart died within him. Something, something struck Nabal's heart. Maybe it was fear, maybe it it was a heart attack, but but Nabal's heart died within him, and it became as a stone, and and, and many many believe it was a heart attack, it just ceased to move in the way that it was supposed to move, and ten days go by, and, and Nabal died because of this condition of a stony heart, and then David would go on to marry Abigail, precious Abigail, Abigail that's heart was so pure, Abigail that interceded between her husband Nabal and David, Abigail that loved the Lord and loved the things of God. Now, now notice here the contrast of Nabal who withheld generosity, whose heart was, was stony, whose heart was unmoved, who who withheld generosity from, da, from from David and his men, but but Abigail, who who loved her husband and who loved David and who didn't want to see conflict and didn't want to see this exchange, and and she interceded between between Nabal and David. We we see a contrast today of a stony heart and a heart that is pure, a heart that loves God and loves others. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow the hardenedness of this world to cause in us a stony heart, a a, a heart that withholds from people, that withholds love, that withholds graciousness, that withholds generosity, and and, and and this is what Nabal was doing, he was withholding, he had so much, so much abundance, an exceedingly rich man, a time of feasting, a time of rejoicing, and this is why we're Told of Jesus in Matthew, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth doth doth corrupt nor nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there will will your heart be. And so while David while David was angry, and while David's heart was certainly not perfect, and, 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 and while that might not be the case, David did have a heart for the Lord. Uh, David's heart stood in stark contrast to Nabal's heart. In fact, the Bible tells us that David had it in his heart to build a temple. Uh, Nathan said to David, whatever is in your heart, go and do it us, that would be bad advice, but Nabal had a pure heart, or rather, David had a pure heart enough that Nathan the prophet said, whatever's in your heart, go and do that. When David sinned, David bowed down before the Lord, and he said, create in me a clean heart, and in fact, he's even described as being a man after God's own heart. In his own words, he said things like, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. He said things like, thy words have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And he he spoke of the Lord, he healeth the broken heart, heart and bindeth up. The contrast of Nabal's heart and David's heart. David's heart sought the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man that found it in his heart to build a temple, and he did so. But Nabal was a man that withheld generosity from the Lord. He, he rejected these godly traditions of blessing others and blessing those around him. And he died of the condition of a stony heart. That's what occurs when we when 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 we withhold our generosity in worship and we withhold our generosity in giving to the Lord and we withhold our generosity in serving the Lord. I'm not just talking about financial giving this morning. I'm talking about when we withhold things from the Lord our heart becomes like a stone. It's a hardened heart. It's the same thing that we see in the story of Nebuchadnezzar that his heart was made that of a beast. He it was a bestial heart. This is what sin does to people. And and this is what under the law, this was the condition of our of our hearts under the law. This stony heart, this heart that only did the the bare minimum that was required by the law. And certainly there were many things and no one could quite live up to it because their heart was not right with the Lord. The Lord never wanted them to live according to 311 commandments. He wanted those 10 commandments to be written upon the tablets of their heart. But because their heart was unable to have upon it written those 10 commandments, it it became 311 commandments. As they attempt to live for God while their heart is still hardened, while their heart is still stony. That's what living for God feels like when our heart's not right with the Lord. We feel like we're striving to just check everything off the list and get everything right. And, oh God, I just hope I can get this right and get that right. Forget about that for a moment. Present your heart before the Lord and say, God, you know my heart. You know my shortcomings. Make my heart to serve you. Make my heart to love you. Make my heart to love others in the way that you would want me to love others. Moses predicted this of God's people, that if they were ever going to live and love the Lord in the way that we're supposed to, that their heart would need to be circumcised, that the flesh flesh would have to be cut away from their heart. He said this, he said, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. That that was speaking of that hardenedness, that stoniness, that stiff-necked pride, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. And and the prophets prophesied of this. Ezekiel spoke of this. He said that God would remove their heart of stone and give his people a new and a soft heart of flesh. And Jeremiah said this. He said, I shall be the covenant, or rather, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and right in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is the way that we were supposed to live for the Lord from the very beginning, but this wasn't the reality under sin. Isaiah said this, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And Joel said this, he he spoke of them and, and as they... We're in a manner of repentance, and he told them, Rend not your garments, but but rend your heart. How often in our walk with God do we find it to make some presentation of serving God? where we rend our garments, oh God, I need you. But he's not looking for some earthly and fleshly presentation. He's looking for us to open up our hearts before him and say, God, work. God, move. God, do what you need to do. Rend, rend your heart. the the condition was a stony heart. The remedy was a new heart. Will I give you a heart of flesh? A soft heart. A childlike heart. A heart that's sensitive to the things of the Lord. a, A warm heart. A heart that the love of God has found home in it. A living heart. A heart that was once dead but now is alive in the Lord. A heart that when we speak to others and when we speak to God, it is out of the abundance of that heart that the mouth speaketh. We're, we're a people that we believe in speaking in other tongues. And as I read this, I can't help but think, while this is true of how we speak to God and we speak to others and we speak about people and we, the words we say are a reality of the heart, I can't help but think that that evidence That evidence that is given that the spirit of the Lord has filled us. It's out of an abundant heart. It's out of the abundance of the heart. That then the mouth speaketh. And so when my heart is filled, when my heart is abundant, when the Spirit of the Lord has filled my heart, then uh, then the mouth speaks on the evidence of speaking in tongues. We focus on the heart because when the heart is full and when the heart is abundant, then out of the abundance of that heart, the mouth speaketh. So if it's been a long time since you spoke in tongues, don't think about speaking in tongues. Think about getting my heart right with the Lord, in Acts 2, the words of David were quoted, Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Romans 5, and hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, which is given unto us. This Holy Ghost, this Holy Spirit, it's not something vague and unable to be um, understood. It's it's actually something that is very simply understood. It's the reality of God's Spirit filling my heart, and now my heart is filled full, and now my heart is abundant, and now there's no room in my heart for bitterness, and there's no room in my heart for sin, and there's no room in my heart to love the world because my heart is so full of the abundance of the Lord. The heart has over 40,000 neurons and flexing pathways, and just like the mind is, the heart is shaped by experience, and It actually is known to affect perception and self-regulation and have an impact on emotion because the heart literally bears record. It works in conjunction with the mind. When you're startled and you feel your heart leap within you, the the neurons and pathways of the heart are affected because the heart bears record of all of our experiences. Maybe today you've experienced some hurt in your life, and and now it's hard to love in the way that God would want you to love because my heart has been broken. Or, Or maybe you've experienced some pain that because of that pain, your heart has been hardened, but let the Word of God as a sword, reach into that heart today and begin to circumcise and cut away at the flesh and cut away at the things that aren't supposed to be there. I want you to stand with me across the room this morning. I want my heart, I want my heart to be a place where the blood of Jesus can flow. If I want to love like he loves, I've got to love with a heart like he loves with. I can't love you with my human heart in the way that I'm supposed to love you. I I can't forgive others with a broken heart and expect it to be an adequate forgiveness. But I've got to have a heart that, like Jesus, when they pierced him in his side, that out of that heart flowed blood and flowed water. If you're wondering today, well, I, I I don't understand my heart. I don't know how to fix my heart. I don't even know where to begin in getting my heart right. Let me tell you where to begin. Let the blood and the water do a work. Let it cleanse your heart. Let it wash your heart. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus today. And the water will begin to cleanse your heart. And if you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, we need new blood flowing through our heart. We need his blood. My blood bears the record of my life. My blood bears the record of my sin. But I need his precious blood. I need his beautiful and wonderful blood. I need his blood flowing through my heart today. As we draw to a conclusion today where we're going to call on the Lord, maybe you're feeling pricked in your heart. Maybe you're feeling where the word of God has just begun to prick. Don't reject that. Don't shy away from that. Don't pull away from that. But trust the Lord that He can do a work in your heart without without killing you. He, 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 can, he can work in such a way that heals you and purifies you. And, 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 and yeah, it's painful sometimes. It's painful when we have to allow the Lord to examine our heart. But let Him do that this morning. The Lord can humble you without humiliating the Lord can can make you new again without you losing yourself and I believe today he's speaking to some people, I know we're not jumping up and down, I know we're not screaming and shouting, but I'm coming to remind someone this morning that we've got to get our hearts right before the Lord he is coming quickly he is coming quickly I can't have a heart that loves the world and attempts to love God listen, I don't I don't know where your heart is pulled. I know that in this world, our heart is pulled in so many directions. Everyone wants a piece of your heart. They're trying to get your heart to love things. Your heart was never made to love. We find ourselves seeking for fulfillment in things that we were never supposed to find fulfillment in. But today the Lord is calling unto you. Give me your heart once again. Return to your first love. I invite you across this room if you want to lift your hands and call on the Lord. Maybe you want to come forward and find a place of prayer. Maybe you wanna kneel down right where you're at. I wanna ask us this morning, would we return to our first love? Would you call on the Lord and say, God, search my heart, create in me a clean heart. Help me that I would not have a heart like Nabal's, a hardened heart, a heart that withholds from the Lord, but let me have a heart like David's, a man after God's own heart. Let me find it in my heart to do your work. Out of the abundance of the heart, let the mouth speak. Come on, let's lift up our own voices to the Lord today as we pray.
0: reminded this morning the scripture says if we being of a human heart know how to give good gifts to our children we want what's best for them we want to do best, the best thing we can for them that's with a human heart how much more does our heavenly father know how to give good gifts. If you want to know what the heart of God is, the heart of God is you. I spoke with Spencer in the office beforehand and we talked about being the apple of God's eye. I won't get into; it. He may talk about it tonight. But I want to tell you this morning, you are the apple of God's eye. He's got some great things in store for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you life and life more abundant. He wants to work in your life, but it's up to you. You have to say yes. You have to receive what he wants to give this morning. And I feel his spirit in the room this morning, and he wants to give to you. Now, there's still some room, and we still have some time. If you need to go, God bless you, but we're going to pray for a few more moments today in worship. If you're in this room and you want to receive the best of what God has for you, which is far more precious than any human thing that could be given. But he wants to give you something that is even greater, even greater. I invite you to join us in prayer just a few moments all over the room. If you don't want to come forward right where you are, just lift hands toward heaven and just say, Lord, I give you everything I give. Let this be a prayer song this morning. Every moment I'm away. Lord have your way. Come on give your heart to him this morning, afresh and anew. Lord I give you with a surety. I give it all. presence a few more moments today.